is it that makes the NFL franchise in Pittsburgh different than the others? That's a difficult, difficult question, but one that a lot of people have tried over the years to answer. My answer is two words, Tunch Ilkin. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Mr. Ilkin passed away over the weekend, Saturday morning. As no doubt everyone in the nation has heard. And also, as everyone in the nation has heard, he was the color commentator on the radio broadcasts for a lot of years. A more than worthy successor to Myron Cope in his own right, in his own style, in his own way. He also was, of course, before that, a terrific offensive lineman under Chuck Knoll through the 1980s. And that does not begin to describe his impact on the Steelers and who they are and who they continue to be. Now, I feel like I should preface this by letting you know or disclosing that I considered Tunch to be a friend. Except for one thing, and that's that everybody who encountered Tunch considered him to be a friend. That's how he made you feel. That's how he made complete strangers feel. I watched with my own eyes the man meet someone hear their story, and then ask them politely, non-intrusively, if they wouldn't mind if he'd say a prayer on behalf of whatever it is that they'd shared with him. And, you know, even if you're not religious, you're going to say yes, you're, you're not going to be rude or whatever. And they would do that, and he would do it on the spot. He would do it right then and there. He did it with me when when my dad passed a couple of years ago. And it's a moving thing. I, I don't consider myself to be deeply religious. But when you're around someone who is of such deep and extraordinary faith, not just in his religion, in his deity, but also in life and enjoying each day, each individual they meet as if it's their last. Believe me, you get into it. You appreciate it. You respect it for exactly what it is. And that was the beauty of Tunch. It wasn't just that he was, oh, you know, you met the Steelers guy. You met the guy whose voice you recognize or whose face you'd seen 
on TV in a commercial or something to that effect, you immediately fell into the human. So my own interactions with him, which were both frequent and often this intense, weren't special, meaning they weren't the exception. They were the norm. That's how he engaged with people and brought them together. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how and where you'd prefer to learn these programs, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, whether it's a flexible hybrid format. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. What's this have to do with the Steelers? Well, only everything. Only everything. Bob Labriola, who's been with the Steelers for seemingly as long as I've been alive. I don't think it's been that long, and I apologize in advance, Lab, for dating you. Wrote a predictably beautiful retrospective on the Steelers' official website about Tunch and his life, and he focused principally on his meaning to the Steelers. Lab wrote, and I'll quote directly, if there was a model for what the Steelers covet in a player and a human being, it would be Tunch Ilkin. I can't top that. I'm not going to try to top that. I wouldn't want to top that. I wouldn't want to top that. That's the best. That's the best. Because what the Steelers are about and what a lot of people haven't been able to phrase to their satisfaction over the years is that sense of family. That doesn't mean they're all likable. As we saw a few days ago, that certainly doesn't mean they all get along. It does mean that there's a commitment to the broader cause. And that's rare in professional sports. Even in the NFL where there's less player movement and less emphasis on uh, free agency and chasing the dollar than there is in other sports, just because it's rarer to see trades and the like because of playbooks, because of familiarity, etc., etc. Even in the NFL, this is unusual. Even in the NFL, it stands out doesn't mean the Steelers are the only ones who attempt to foster that kind of culture, nor even that they're the only ones to succeed. I, to be perfectly honest with you here, and nobody will like hearing this, I think the Ravens have done a pretty good job of that for a lot of years. First under Brian Billick and then under John Harbaugh. They know who they are. They know what they want to be, and they push that brand internally way more than they do externally. 
The Steelers have done that forever. They do that through the consistency of the people that they keep. They do that through the consistency of the methodologies that they apply. And they do it chiefly through the ownership of the Rooney family. Ultimately, the decisions come down from there. And someone like Tunch comes along, meaning as a player, in what was a rare losing era for the Steelers, the post-Knoll years. And he was, in addition to being uh, the player that he was, also a terrific public speaker. And after that, he takes on all kinds of additional challenges working intensely uh, to his final days with the Light of Life ministry on the north side, sheltering the homeless, working with civic and community leaders on Mount Washington, his home, on making that a better place to live, and never, never, never pausing, never taking a break or a breather, in his ministry. And through all that, he was a stealer. He was a stealer in ways people didn't see behind the scenes, helping players, helping coaches, being there for a listening ear that you knew was really listening. He was there for Everyone in that organization or everyone associated with that organization. You will hear testimonials about people when they pass. Some of them might even sound a little like this. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. I'm not speaking a single syllable here about this great man that anyone wouldn't have spoken a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Because he's been all of these things all his life. And it was a life that while tragically cut short, was brilliantly lived. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. That's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who filed workers' comp, who need assistance with medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers for over 15 years. That's a capital S and a capital L. That's reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5400. Five four. Today's question comes from Corey, who asks, with a young O-line, is a dual 
backfield a must this season, and how is Derek Watts pass blocking? Well, you're on to something, Corey, and then you went on a little bit of a detour there that might have thrown you off. You are going to see dual backfield for the Steelers, I think, a lot this season. I just don't think it'll involve Watt as much as you would think about anytime even conceptualizing a dual backfield. The Steelers, through, my goodness, OTAs, minicamp, training camp, preseason, have gone with a lot of two running back sets. But it's not the Franco-Rocky thing. Uh, It's not, you know, Jerome Bettis and Tim Kreider just lining up there to block a hole for him. It's been way more of two backs flanking Ben Roethlisberger, sometimes two to the same side. And often one of those backs, usually Najee Harris, will bolt from that set and go to wide receiver. There's so much deception and misdirection involved in this offense that if you haven't been watching super closely through the summertime or reading about the team, and believe me, most people don't. Most people are going to tune in to the game in Buffalo and see things for the very first time. I really believe that. Then this is going to stun you as compared to the Randy Feetner offense. Doesn't mean they're going to get super results and everything else. It doesn't mean people aren't going to criticize Canada afterward. There's so many individual and collective variables that can go wrong. But the root of the strategy, the plan, the X's and O's are so different, especially in terms of how they present to the opposing defense. The days are gone forever of being able to look at this formation and say, this play is coming. Or, even better, you can look at the formation, say this play is coming, and then have gotten so used to all the misdirection and everything else that you get frustrated and say, hang on a second, they're actually going to do what they're going to do here. Well, no, they're not. And then the Steelers just go ahead and do what it is that they're lined up to do because you've messed with the other team's heads so dramatically. I think you're going to see a lot of two backs. Now, it does hurt that Anthony McFarland is on IR because he was going to be involved in that. That means the second back, in this case, most often would be either Benny Snell or Kalen Balaj. I guess we'll see how that goes over the course of the week. My preference would be Balaj, but I don't make those decisions. But you will see Derek Watt involved uh, in some form. I still don't think it'll be extensive, and I definitely don't think it'll be old school line up and truck people although you know what third and inches fourth and inches sometimes really don't need to overthink things i appreciate the question i appreciate everybody listening to daily shot of Steelers. let's do another one of these tomorrow